Are you out there? The voice came from inside the old trunk. A frantic pounding accompanied it. Ev, Ev, are you there? I can't hear you counting. It was Everett Drake's little sister, B. He'd locked her in the trunk, daring her to escape in less than a minute. Ev, answer me! He didn't even hear her. The soggy London sky seeped rain like water from a sponge, spilling dreariness down the window panes and giving Everett an excuse to stay inside the vicarage reading. Vicarages are built to house ministers and their families. This one was especially drab, save for the turrets on Bildradid as an afterthought. It was a bit like dressing up an ugly dog in a colourful sweater, and the effect wasn't entirely convincing. Still, the room at the top of the turret was just castle-like enough for all Everett and Bee's imagined escapades, and just enough removed from the rest of the residence to discourage the housekeeper, Mrs Crimp, from monitoring their activities. Avoiding her attention was always preferable. This particular day, Everett sprawled out on the floor upstairs, chin resting in his hands, engrossed in one of his favourite comic books, Max Courageous, Into Tomorrow. The daring adventurer, Maximilian Courageous, or MC as Everett liked to call him, was piloting his ship through the galaxy to escape. The trunk lid flew open and Bee burst forth, hands above her head, cheeks flushed with exertion and hair a defiant mess. Was that a record? She lowered her arms and eyed her brother with suspicion. You weren't even counting, were you? Ever since finding a biography of Harry Houdini at the library, Bee had been determined to learn the skills of an escape artist. Ambitious as that may be for an eight-year-old, she kept asking Everett to tie her shoes together or trap her in her room or lock her in the old trunk. There was a nice way to cheat when breaking out of the trunk because she was too smart to purposely trap herself anywhere. But her brother didn't need to know how she did it. She had developed her very own rules of escape, number one of which was to make your brother play his part. Despite her glowering, Everett didn't look up. Sorry, you didn't give me enough time. He tried to sound apologetic. I'm pretty sure that was your fastest yet. All in all, it had begun as a typical day in the vicarage. Some people might imagine growing up next door to a church would be a dreadful bore, that having a vicar for a father sounds like the opposite of fun. But Everett and Bee's father was the Reverend Marcus Drake, and he was anything but dull. Marcus was the creator of the Max Courageous comics. His lifelike illustrations brought the stories vividly to life. It's fair to say comic books are an unlikely hobby for a clergyman, yet Marcus saw it as a calling. He hoped his stories would inspire young people, especially his own children. You can have greater influence than you know, he would often tell Everett and B. Doing the right thing takes real bravery and integrity, your actions matter more than any superheroes. Everett found that hard to believe. He didn't feel very strong, let alone brave. He couldn't picture himself making any difference in the world, the way his father had, fighting Nazis during the war and doing church work ever since. I wish I could show you what I see, Marcus told him, because you're a remarkable boy, Everett. You're interested in the world. 
and it's far more meaningful to be interested than to try to be interesting. Everett wasn't quite sure what he meant by that. He longed to be clever like MC, to do important things and live out great stories, which is why he often retreated to the turret to lose himself in his comic books. This afternoon, however, Bee had her own plans for her brother, and reading was not on the agenda. She stood in the trunk, preparing to give him a scolding, even MC would fear. But just as she opened her mouth, their father's voice boomed up the stairs. Everett, Bee, come down and say goodbye. Bee hopped out of the trunk, slammed the lid shut, and raced towards the stairs. Beat you to the bottom. Everett followed more slowly, sensing that familiar hollow churning in his stomach. It happened whenever their father took a trip. He hated feeling like such a baby. He was 11. A boy his age should be able to go to bed without being tucked in by his father. Perhaps he'd feel differently if he had a mother at home. But he didn't. She had died giving birth to Bee a long time ago. Everett barely remembered her. All he could picture of her was a yellow dress and her warm, smiling eyes. Eyes completely unlike the housekeeper's, who would be scrutinising his every move for an entire week. The Drake family shared the vicarage with Isadora Crimp. Not by choice. The spiteful woman came with the house. Mrs Crimp or the cramps, as the children referred to her behind her back, looked as unfortunate as her name, with a pinched hook of a nose and grey-streaked hair swept up into the most severe knot atop her head. You, boy! She screeched each time she spoke to Everett. It was always, You, boy! Step aside! Or, You, boy! Stop that incessant noise! Everett was convinced she didn't even know his real name. Isadora's husband, Reginald Crimp, had been a previous vicar of St Francis. Not the holiest of men, Reginald ran off with a great deal of the church's money, leaving Isadora and the congregation in a quandary. After much deliberation, the church elders voted three to two to keep her on as caretaker for the vicarage. Without any prospects of her own, she had no choice but to accept their charity, and she resented it mightily. She made that very clear the day the Drake family moved in. I am not here to supervise your offspring, Reverend, she stated flatly. Everett decided she must have a different understanding of not supervising, because the old buzzards circled them constantly watching for any sign of weakness. One day, he tracked mud into the living room and she wrapped him across the shins with a broom handle. You, boy, scrub that mess clean or I will tell the vicar. Everett preempted her report and told his father himself. Marcus frowned as he listened. Oh, I'm sorry, son. Everett bent down and gingerly touched his lower legs. Why does she have to be so mean? She's had a rough go of things. That's no excuse. And I promise I'll speak with her, said Marcus. But 
She's not your enemy. All right. Well, that may have been true. Sharing a common adversary with B made Everett fiercely protective of his little sister. The turret became their safe haven, since the cramps had bad knees and disliked negotiating the stairs. But at present, Marcus stood in the entryway, looking very official in his black suit and white clerical collar, with the same straight posture as his army days. The silver rims of his glasses accentuated the flecks of silver sprinkled through his dark hair. His face lit up when he saw his daughter scrambling down the stairs. Placing his briefcase on the floor, he opened his arms wide just as Bee launched herself at him from the third step. Bee squeezed him with all her might. Why do you have to go clear to Scotland? Marcus set her down, kissing the top of her head. If I could stay with you forever, I would. But every once in a while, I have to conduct a secret mission. Does it have to do with MC? Marcus raised his finger to his lips. Shh, you didn't hear it from me. He gave her a knowing wink, then turned, searching for Everett. There you are. Come on down, son. Marcus checked his watch. I don't want to miss my train. Everett shuffled his way to the bottom of the stairs. Can't we stay with someone else? Marcus placed both hands on his shoulders. Listen, Ev, you're the man of the house while I'm gone. I'm counting on you to look after your sister, all right? Now, let's join hands for the blessing. After saying a brief prayer, he drew Everett and Bee close for one last hug. Everett didn't lift his arms to return the embrace. The thought of a whole week in the care of the cramps filled him with resentment. He shook himself free. Marcus picked up his briefcase and travel bag. I love you too, he said. See you soon. With that, he stepped outside and into the waiting cab. B followed him to the porch and waved madly until the car was out of sight. Everett chose to remain inside. A choice that haunted him for a very long time.